focusing on an emerging generation of kings. Today is very interesting. We are diving into one of my favorite subjects ever, right? So I usually think about my last day on earth, right? And I think about the 50 years after I pass, 100 years after I pass. And there's one thing, if there's one thing, there are three words. I'm I'm not going to tell you what the other two are. (laughs) But there are three words that I hope, at least from where I stand now, will be used to describe me. Three major words. You can use like 100, 500, but there are three major words and all the other words can be subsets of those three words that I want to use to describe me. And one of them is what I'm teaching about today, love. I want people to be able to think about me. And when they think about me, one of the first things that come to their minds is, wow, that guy was so full of love. That guy was a love guy. That guy loved God, loved people, right? Who's with me? Let me know, let me know, let me know. Um, and I think that you should also have this kind of conversations with yourself where you sort of like ask, what do I want people to think about me in my presence and more so in my absence? How do I want to be remembered? These are legacy issues and why is that important? We're going to dive into a number of scriptures today as we usually do. And um, I want us to really be in Okay, I want us to be in. I don't want us to just be on the fringes. I really, 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 really want us to be in. Okay, so let's start off with our first reading for the day. We shall take our first reading. I need my scribes, though. I need my scribes. First John chapter 3, 1 to 3. First John 3, 1 to 3. Today we're going to look at a couple of things about love. We're going to uh, see that love is more of an emo- is is more of a decision than an emotion. We're also going to see love as the key attribute characteristic and the core of God. That's the essence of God. We're also going to see our responsibilities to love, and then I'll share with us five major things that having a love-led life is going to do five areas of transformation. And those five areas of transformation are extremely critical. They affect everybody on earth. They are touch points that everybody has. So let's start off with 1 John chapter 3, 1 to 3. 1 John chapter 3, if you're there, it's a great thing. If you're not there, look for it. If you're listening to the scripture on the same device, it's okay, understandable. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. So the reason he has lavished love on us is so that we can be called children of God. Now, it's easy to miss that, but let's let's come home. When many people see come in, when many people see come in, they go like, oh, that's his father's child, looks just like his father. When many people see Ronel, they go, oh, he looks just like his mother. Now, some people look at Ronel and believe that he looks like me. Alti actually thinks that he looks like me in a way, right? But why do they do that? Because they are attributes or features that tell a story of where they are from, 
So when John is writing, Behold, man of love, the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. What John is saying is that it's not my knowledge of scripture that makes me look like God. Why? Because we understand that when Jesus was tempted, even the devil quoted scriptures. So there are people that go like they just read out scriptures. They know the Greek, the Hebrew, they know the Latin, they know the Spanish, they know the Biblio, the ethic of the original text. But John is saying that what determines the outline, the similitude, what determines the sense of synchronicity, the sense of similarity, likeness, is not how many scriptural verses I know, it is about the love quotient I manifest. Now in the realm of the spirit, what actually points me out as a child of God is not the size of my Bible, it's not the jar of the anointing oil I carry, it's not the bronze from which the bell was made that I used to ring and uh, ring and call people to attention, or call the, get the attention of people, it's not how many prayer meetings I jump on in the course of a day, they say that the reason God has endowed us, bestowed his love on us, is so that we can be called the children of God. Please help me type in the name of I look just like God because I live in love. Love is what makes me look like God in the realm of the spirit. I might pretend before men. I might fool men and women, neighbors, co colleagues, classmates, but it's the love of God. So it says, therefore, the world does not know us. Why? Because the world did not know him. Where are my scribes? And then my scribes to type the scriptures in there. Then it says, Behold, beloved, now are we the children of God, verse 2, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. He's saying that love makes you look like God. And when the world cannot vibe, when the world cannot roll with me, okay, if my scribes are not around, can a responsible person, responsible and responsive person post the text in the comments? Hmm? Let's take responsibility. Post the text in the comments. I think I, sh I didn't need to say that more than twice before somebody, especially a leader or an LNT member, would post the scripture. Love is responsive and responsible. All right? So the world doesn't recognize God. Why do we expect the world to recognize us? What it also means that by recognition, that means they don't vibe with us. They don't, uh, they don't see us as their own, right? They don't accept us the way we are. Because they rejected God, we are made just like God, we look like we're too good to be true. There is something about our disposition and demonal that makes them feel slightly uncomfortable because we don't look like them. Is somebody here? Is somebody here? All right. If nobody does, I'm going to do it myself. And that's uh, rather... Unfortunately, okay, somebody has finally done it. 
All right. Now you're saying that beyond just basking, so our responsibility is not just to bask in the love and then get caught up in the love, but our responsibility is because we know that when we see him, we're going to be like him. When, when our time on earth is done, when our time, our assignment is over here, we're going to be like him. Therefore, based on that, we don't reduce the value of what he has given to us by being like everybody else, because as we progress today, you're going to see that it's actually costly to manifest the love of God. It's costly to display the love of God. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your right to be you. It's going to cost you your right to wear certain clothes. It's going to cost you your right to sleep for certain lengths of time. It's going to cost you your right to move in a certain place in a certain way. It's that the reason we're going to do that is because we have a hope in him. And that hope is what drives us to purify ourselves or ourselves and then to enter into a place of sanctification. Let me read a couple of verses so that we can see what, what that is or what that reads like. It said, see what, First John 3, Amplified Classic, see what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed on us that we should be permitted, come on now, Somebody say, I have the permission to bear God's name. I have permission to bear God's name. I have permission to carry his name. You know, you can't just carry down this name or Tedla's name or uh, Michael Jackson's name or Bill Gates' name or Elon Musk's name and start using. But it said that God has gone so far to the extent that he's displayed so much love that we can carry his name. We can bear his name upon ourselves and we will not be wrong. So, for example, you might know some people be a dangote, but maybe they are poor. Maybe they are not well-to-do. You might know some people whose surnames are gates, but they can't even open the gates of any window. <laughs> you might know some people whose names are mosque, M-U-S-K that is, but I don't even know there's something called a Tesla car. So there's a mismatch between the name and the reality. God says that it is his love that closes the gap between the name he has given to us and the character he's working in us. Yeah, the paradox, behold, you're right. It's that God has given us an incredible quality of love that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Then it says, the reason that the world does not know, in bracket, recognize, acknowledge us, is that it does not know, recognize, or acknowledge him. So please listen, let me jump the gun a little bit. There are many believers who want to dress a certain way so that the world can celebrate them. John is saying that is a waste of time. If you are made of the love of God, if you are redeemed by the love of God, it does not matter that you are even wearing clothes that are revealing. The people of the world will still know with your revealing clothes that you're not one of them. It does not matter that you decide to go to the club. After a while inside that club, something will happen that will give you away as a child of God. Is somebody following this now? Now, this mark of love is not like a plaster you can peel off. It is like a tattoo you cannot erase. Are you here? That this brand of love is not something you can wish away, worry away. It's a mark that goes with you, is a stamp of heaven's involvement and possession of you. 
It is the insignia of God's essence upon your life. This is the reason for some people who have strayed. You did that's like you walked away, you went away, you stopped gathering with the believers. You said, let me even try. You always knew there was something off. And every two or three times you try to do something bad, somebody around you, even maybe after you did something bad, still sort of figured out that you are not like us. Come on. Is there anybody who's a living witness of what I'm saying right now? So the world, they don't, they don't vibe with us. Verse 2 says, Beloved, we are even here and now, even here and now, God's children. It is not yet d- disclosed, make like what shall be hereafter, but we know that when he comes and is manifested, we shall as God's children resemble and be like him, for we shall see him just as he really is. Let me read from the ERV. The ERV says, since I'm listening to the comedian, ERV says, the Father has loved us so much. This shows how much he loved us. We are called children of God. It says, the new nature is given to us. The new standard, new identity is given to us is a proof of how much he has loved us. So let me give you an example. You go to your street, maybe you're, you're traveling, driving on the road, and you have all people that knock on your car or just come out of nowhere to wipe your windshield and your windows. You know, if you feel moved and touched, you bring out 100 naira or 200 naira and you give it to those guys. Maybe if they did a great, fantastic job, I give them 500 naira, God said to you, give them 500 naira. Now, how many times have you opened the door of your car and you put those guys uh, in the in the back of your car? So, see, I'm going to change your life today. I'm going to take you to a, a, a barber shop, going to give you the best haircut. I'm going to take you to my Atafu. I'm going to get them to make you nice clothes. I'm going to take you to the best cosmetic uh specialists in Lagos. I'll give you a massive treat after a lovely massage. Then after they go past the night in my house, after passing the night in my house, I'm going to uh, get jam form or in fact, send you abroad. Then after that, I will now ensure that I adopt you. How many times have you done that before? <laughs> Who's ever done that? Or how many times have you seen that done? Right? You haven't seen that done, right? But what God did, he says that we who were not a people, we who were outcasts, we who were undeserving of mercy, what he did was that in our mess, in our mock, in our mire, in our mess up, in our mistakes, in our mishap, he miraculously lifted us out. He didn't just clean us and put us in his car. He didn't just, oh my goosebumps now. He didn't just put us, put us in his car and give us a haircut. He didn't just give us a haircut and give us a massage. He didn't just give us a cosmetic treatment. He didn't just take us to school. He gave us his name and said, today you are my child. He said, to which of the angels has he ever said, today have I begotten you? So he gave us what money cannot buy. He gave us a new nature. He gave us a new identity. And the first line of this text is saying, behold, look, be so that you can hold it. Look, be so you can hold it. Look, 
gaze upon it, think about the love of God, concentrate on the love of God. Once you begin to operate from the premise of the love of God, the fear fades, the worry wanes, the trouble is terrorized. Once you focus on the love of God. So the first major case I want to make today is that every negativity in your life gains ascendancy to the degree to which you don't focus on the love of God. Every negativity in your life grows to the degree to which you don't look at the love of God. Because that behold, gaze on the love, think about the love, focus on the love. So the diet for my confidence is the focus on love. Focusing on love is what feeds my confidence. Focusing on love is what ignites my drive, right? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. Is somebody still there? This is key. This is key. Some of the time, I'm loved by God. I am loved by God. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. I might not have the money I need right now, but I'm loved by God. I might not have the husband I've been praying for, but I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. Somebody broke up with me just before Christmas, but I'm loved by God. Somebody ignored me, ignored my post on social media, but I'm loved by God. Somebody has been owing me money for 17 years, borrowed 50,000 dollars from me in 1985 or 2006. And now, now 100,000 is more like 10,000 naira. I'm loved by God. I haven't slept well in days. I'm loved by God. Let's go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, 34 to 35. I'm sure those who are in love with kings right now, they're like, I got this, I got this. John chapter 13. I hope in love with kings people are right on this call. I hope they're not having a counter class during this class. John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, a new commandment I give to you. All right, I'm seeing. <laughs> okay, I've said only Pastor Rappu. Yeah, but Pastor Rappu doesn't make them his children, doesn't call them by his name. <laughs> It takes them into a, a, a home, a charity on which many produce, right? But we thank God for the work he is doing and for the Freedom freedom Foundation. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now we're going to get deeper now. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Hmm. So please write this down, because we're saying media takes me there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love it. Media takes me there, but write this down. Love is the greatest medium. 
Love is the greatest medium. The biggest platform, the biggest media platform is love. Because Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that I love on others, I have loved you. He said, by this shall all men, all men, all men. By CNN, all men will reach you because not everybody's tuned into CNN. By Al Jazeera, not all men will know you. TVC, not all men will know you. STV, STB, Max Radio, not all men. But it said, if you stand on the pedestal of love, there's no nationality where your voice will not carry a distinct sound. It said, if you stand on the premise of love, there's no economy where the essence of what you're carrying will not be needed. If you stand on the premise of love, who am I speaking to now? If you stand on the premise of love, he said, that is the deal I want to focus on. And I'm making it a commandment. So love is not an elective in the school of the spirit. Love is not just a caucus. Love is the caucus. Love carries the biggest units in the university of God. That is the major cause. That is the major thing. He said it is compulsory. It's a commandment. It's a command that I meant to tell you. Love. He said a new commandment to you. They love one another. He did not say that you love those that like you. He did not say that you love those who get you. You know, there's something that just gets you. They just understand you. They just, you don't have to talk to someone. They just get you. They get your emotions, your feelings, your time, your rhythm. They get your past, your history, your gifts, your ability. They get all of that. But God is saying that is not the point here. Now, this is also the way you know that as far as God is concerned, love is not a feeling. Why? You cannot command feelings. You cannot always command feelings. But it's commanding. Imagine me commanding you, be angry. <laughs> You're going to find it laughable. You're going to have to chuckle or laugh <laughs> and try to imagine how to be angry. If I say, uh, I command you, uh, feel sad. You can't really follow that. So if God is commanding us to love, that means in God's books, love does not exist or does not, uh, is not confined to the region of feelings. It may have some attendant feelings, but feelings are not what make love love. And as we're starting this new series, please have it at the back of your mind. We're going to deal with different things, including platonic and romantic love. We're going to deal with all of that. But the premise for all of that is the love of God. A new commandment I've given to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. And I said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. So love is the language of the believer. Love is the flag of the believer. And love is the anthem of the believer. Just like countries have their flags, countries have their uh, lingua franca, and countries have their anthem, love is the flag, love is the language, love is the anthem of the believer. And, and just the same way most Nigerians will struggle to sing the national anthem from the first stanza to the last stanza, many believers also struggle to complete the anthem of the Spirit, which is love. So everybody can sing, Arise, O compatriots. <laughs> Nigeria's call, obey. But after a while, we begin to genuine. Even though we're genuine, 
we begin to genuine like wine coming out. Please help me tag somebody in the comments and say, do you know your anthem? Do you know your anthem? As a believer, do you remember your anthem? It's love. In other words, it's not anointing. It's not signs and wonders. It's not miracles. It is not a big microphone. It's not a crowd. It's not acknowledgement. It's not endorsement by media houses. He is saying by this, all will know black, white, tall, short, thick, thin, all will know that you are my disciples. You have been disciplined by me. It's amazing when we speak about love, we don't, we don't usually think about love in terms of command. And we don't usually think about love in terms of discipline. But Jesus uses these two words when he's speaking to us about love. He commands and then it says it's a discipline, which means you can discipline yourself to love. You can train your soul to love. See, I'm not a very loving person. I get it. <laughs> Adam is speaking now. Adam is speaking. The first Adam. Let the last Adam take you on a core course on his curriculum. Come on now. First semester, second semester, third semester. This is key. So when God is dealing with us, he looks beyond our feelings and looks beyond our emotions. And why is it dealing with that? Go to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Proverbs 12 and verse 10. Real quick, time is racing. Romans 10, verse 12, it says, Hatred stirs up strife. Hatred stirs up. I'll touch on this on Sunday when we speak about LinkedIn, bonding without bondage. Hatred stirs up. It stirs up. When people hate, they just begin to maybe lie or say negative things about other people. or they, they, It begins to stir up strife. It says, but love, Proverbs 10, 12, covers all sins. All sins. Do you know what this means? Any sin struggle in your life is a struggle with a dimension of God's love in that area. Oh, I'm struggling with sin. Oh, I can't stop smoking, drinking, sleeping around. It is a call for an interaction, an exploration of God's love in that area. We'll touch on that later. When God is going to deal with the sin issue, because the sin issue is the biggest problem the man has. Biggest problem. Well, the man had. Now, the biggest problem the man has is self. Okay, Sin, self. Satan is the least of the issues, in my speaking, because Satan is just a tempter. Right? He attempts because Satan cannot even control sin. But Satan can engage the flesh to partake of sin through temptation. Okay? So Satan is defeated. Sin has been judged. Self has to be crucified on a daily. When God is going to deal with those three, he does not come with barrels of anointing, 500 baskets of heavenly bread, supernatural signs and all of that. He comes with love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, and it sounds so simple, but that's still the solution to all of man's problems. 
that God so loved the world, that God so loved the world, that God so loved the world. That's not the solution. The angry man does not know how deeply loved he is and has not engaged that love so deeply enough to be able to surrender his anger at the foot of the cross, right? The wicked man, the same thing is wicked because he has not experienced the love of God. The proud person has not allowed the love of God to humble him. Right, so when God is going to deal with the, with issues, He deals with it using love. So love is not only the greatest medium; love is also the greatest weapon. Love is the greatest strategy. Love is the greatest strategy. So great a strategy that when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, he still demonstrated love. Why? Because you cannot kill love. Even if love dies, it resurrects. Because love was designed to live forever. Come on now. I'm not talking about emotional love. So no one that can die to my ex. That's not what I'm talking about. All right. Jeremiah 31, 1 to 6. Jeremiah 31, 1 to 6. The one I really need is verse 3, and we're going to spotlight that. But from verse 1, at that time, at the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel. When I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared of all to me, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you again. Why? Because you strayed before, but I've drawn you again. With what? Loving kindness, not with cruelty. Loving kindness, I've drawn you. And then again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tabernacles, and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall yet plant vineyards of uh, vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food, for there shall be a day when the watchman will cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. So the love of God, watch this, is redemptive. What's the solution? Somebody's like, is this really is, is, is this really possible? Yes. And when I get to the five things, you're gonna see that this love thing controls your experience with God and your experience of life. It says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Listen. God doesn't love you as deeply as your last act of faithfulness. God loves you deeper than your last act of unfaithfulness. Let me say that again. God doesn't love you as deeply as your last act of faithfulness. God loves you even deeper than your last act of unfaithfulness. Come on, I thought someone was going to be excited about and someone goes, like, it's so good to be true. You're right. That's why it's called the gospel. <laughs> That's why it's called the good news. It's not the bad news. It's not the sometimes good and sometimes bad news. It's not the almost good news. It's not the mm, not so bad news. It is the good news. 
which means that God is saying, I'm bigger than your sin, than your mess, than your failure, than your shame, than your guilt, than your disgrace, than your reproach, than your coconut head, than your obstinate disposition, than your prejudice. I am better than, oh my word, who, who am I speaking to today? I'm bigger and better than all of that. I'm not intimidated by unfaithfulness. I'm more faithful than you. I love you deeper than your unfaithfulness. I love you deeper than your mistakes, your error, your struggle, your disgrace, your embarrassment, your lo I love you more than that. He said it's an everlasting love. He said with my loving kindness, I've drawn you again. Every time you're about to fall over the cliff, fall over the edge, I draw you in again. I bring you in again. Lord, I pray that even in this hour, you will touch somebody with the power of your love, with the reality of your love, with the unending, unending waves of, of commitment that you have in the name of Jesus. I've loved you. I've loved you. I've loved you. How many of you, let's be honest, is there any, it happens a lot more to women, but maybe some men too. How many of you know that guy that you, in quote, fell in love with? And you have coconut head. This guy did not like you. This guy did not even want you. This guy even made it clear. Maybe the guy even embarrassed you once or twice. But you were carrying your coconut head and you're still saying, but I love you, I love you, I love you. Come on. Is there anybody who, who's ever been in that kind of situation? Maybe you went for a camp meeting. It was supposed to be three or four days since camp meeting or something. Or some of you started very early, VBS, Vacation Bible School. People were reading the Bible, you're reading boys. <laughs> we were in the Bible, you're reading girls. And you're writing secret love notes and everything. You actually saw the girl, you were stalking all over the place, hoping that she was going to open the notes and be, wear a big smile. But you saw from a distance, she opened the notes. She looked like this, spat on rolled and threw it in the place. You, you felt sad. You were crying. So, but I still love you. <laughs> now, without being disrespectful and without being dishonorable, God is saying, I feel be like Mumu for your sake because this love what I get for you. Nothing if you stop her. That's what God is saying. See, the devil said to God, God, you don't understand these people. This is why they are jokers. This joke, give him small temptation. Give him small issue. He's going to deny you. He's going to curse God and die. God said, go and test him. Come on now. God is like, I'm committed to you. Peter denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus, obviously, right? Not even just once. Yet, when Jesus resurrects, who does he reach out to to be the inaugural preacher, the inaugural pastor of his new ministry, Jesus International Ministries, Jim Jim? Peter, the guy that denied. Why didn't he go to one of you that didn't deny him? Because God is saying, Peter, I loved you before you learned to cut off people's ears for my sake. It's not because you cut off somebody's ear for my sake that I'm rewarding you. I'm not doing you good to reward you for your commitment and your faithfulness. That's a different degree. That's in, the, that's in the school of faithfulness. In the school of redemption, the school of salvation, I have. I have chosen. I have sorted. I have settled. You are my choice. And the only thing that can abort that is when you, if you stop believing in me. No, oh, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> She or Rasa and Amibi, that's coconut head. You're liking boy, liking boy. Boy was not like you, liking you back. 
That's key. It's key. I've loved you with my everlasting love. What's everlasting? It lasts forever. It has no expiry date. I want to write this down. God's love is not a man-made license. It's always valid. God's love is not a man-made license. It's not like a man-made license. It's always valid. God's love, listen, is not a gift voucher. It's always valid. It's a gift that vouches for you. God's love is not a gift voucher. It's a gift that vouches for you. It's always valid. Always valid. God's love is not the cough syrup on your shelf. It has no expiry date. It's not the oil in your store. It has no expiry date. It's not a man-made product. It has an expiry date. God's love has an eternal shelf life. Even if you reject it, it does not deny the fact that God loves you. Oh, wow. Oh, mama, yakobala, sivato, shinakupalasa. Some of you know some of the weirdest things you've done in your life. And God says, nothing spoiled. Can we start again? Can we fix this? Can we work this? God's love, listen, has no best before date. But it can give you the best after your wrong date. God's love has no best before date. But it can even give you your best even after your worst date. It's always good. Always good. Always good. Come on now. Somebody thank God for his love. Thank you, Jesus, for your 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 love. Ooh, See, the enemy doesn't want to understand this revelation because he wants to keep you in a loop of sin, shame, guilt, sin, guilt, shame. Sin, guilt, shame, sin, guilt, shame, sin, guilt, shame. That's the loop many unbelievers live in. And unfortunately, that's also the loop many believers live in. Are you, are you seeing that now? But God said, no, no. Can we change it from love, love, learn, light. Love, learn, light. Love, learn. What's that learning? You learn through teaching. But when you try to practice, sometimes you will fall. Sometimes you will stumble. Sometimes you will miss the mark. But God says it's a learning process, not a condemnation process. So sin, the act of sin in life of a believer, or the misstep or mistake of a believer, is a learning environment in which the tutorial ministry of the Holy Ghost shines the light of God's love on the believer so the believer can see that he has been made in the likeness and image of God and he can operate in the life of God. Love, learn, light. That's the rhythm of God's life. It starts with the love of God. Like a father and a mother or a man or woman, they get together in an act of love and they produce the baby. Boom. That baby, when it tries to learn or tries to eat or tries to drink, it's going to fall. It's going to stumble. But it's a learned environment. The parents don't go, stupid boy, you never learned to walk. Stupid girl, you never learned to talk. Stupid boy, you're still wet in the pants. No. They then have to create a curriculum or a teaching process that guides that child into rediscovering the full potential of its humanity or its human life. And then by responsiveness over time, the baby then learns, oh, okay, if I want to walk, I don't take one step twice. I take one step, another step, and one step, another step, and gets a rhythm. 
The child does not become more of a human being over time. The child manifests more of its ability as a human being. The child does not become more of a human being. It manifests more of its ability as a human being. Similarly, the believer does not become more of a believer or more righteous, but the believer manifests more of his divine ability and the fruits of righteousness over time as is exposed to the light of God's law. Are we getting this? <laughs> you get a lemon, you get in this. Lemon, no, lemon, no, you let, 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 let. Zephaniah 3, 16 to 17, before we go into the five points. In that day shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God, in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Whose bones? He said, God will sing over you. Now, let me ask you a question. In what points in this human experience do you see one human being singing over another human being? There are a couple of scenarios. Give me some. He says, don't be afraid and don't let your hands be weak. Why is it telling you that? Because things will come up that will try to get you afraid. Why is it telling you that? It's because responsibilities will come that will try to weaken your hands. And it's saying the solution to fear and to droopy hands is to think about who's singing over you. Not about who's under you, but who's above you. Come on now. So, Jada, you're right. A nursing mom singing over a baby. Exactly. That's one of the scenarios. Shia is also right. I'll come back to that. But go use all the examples so you can, you can see. There's a song that your Bible used to sing. I've entered Dan Maria just now. Can I ask you a question? Why is the mother singing over that baby? That baby has not won a medal. That baby has not won a certificate. That baby has not, I don't know, brought money home. That baby hasn't gotten married. That baby has not even walked, has not even talked, right? Why is the, why is the mother singing? Translates to make the baby feel good. That's, that's one. But it's not just about the baby, right? It's also about the mother itself. Not just the cherub. The mother is also excited. This is my baby. This is my child. The mother is excited. God says, I'm excited. Once I see you, I rejoice over you. I see you in Christ. I don't see you as the baby that's always snoring, wet in the pants, burping, spilling the food and all of that. I see you as an extension of myself. Can we get to a point where we no longer think that God assesses us based on our morality? Can we get to a point where we no longer get distracted by the enemy trying to convince us that, you know, uh, God, God likes us only when we get it right? God doesn't just like us when we get it right. God likes us till we get it right and beyond. 
God loves us till we get it right and beyond. So the mother sings. The mother also sings to cheer the baby up. So many of us, we don't know that God sings of us. So when things are not working, we're eager to get a fix from the world or from the club or from the Facebook likes or from the invitations, the referrals, the media platforms. And we're trying to fill a void that only God's songs over us, God's words, voices, atmosphere over us was designed to fill. Help us now. Someone said, God loves me. God is singing over me. God loves me. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. Let's go. Five things that a love-led life is going to address in your life. A love-led life will address these five things in your life. Number one, a love-led life, this level of thinking. So that love-led life is the conscious acknowledgement of the love of God for me at work in me, through me, and around me. In other words, it's not an achievement-led life. Let me tell you why you can't allow your esteem to undulate with achievements. I'll tell you a couple of things. Number one, you may not always achieve as much as you desire to achieve. And even if you do, somebody coming behind you or coming beside you or coming from nowhere, quote unquote, will achieve something greater than that. So if your esteem and sense of self is connected to what you achieve, what will happen when somebody breaks your record? Oh, no. Come on down. Oh, happy. I saw Pilan's uh, message earlier about uh, people, lovers also sing about themselves. Yes, lovers also, also sing about themselves. So as you grow from being a child to being a lover, not just come of maturity, come of age, God also sings over you. Just the same way you sing over God. And when I say sing over, don't always think about music and melody, even though it always often includes that. But it's not just the rhythm, because not all of us have, are wired or gifted to be able to capture melody. So don't put us under that kind of pressure, right? But I'm talking about a sense of sweet comfort that the way songs serenade the soul, you can feel the soothing sensation of the Holy Spirit massaging his life into you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Jada said you feel less of yourself. Kenan said I was reading about Guinness World Record holders yesterday. You will feel under pressure to overperform, to bear, to break the person's record. It could bring, bring envy, absolutely. So that space that you have with God, the space of rejoicing, the space of, ooh, I'm loved by God. Somebody say, I'm less proxy, I'm loved by God. Hmm. Take that in, take that in. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. Listen, by the grace and mercy of God, I have a couple of achievements, right? And I've, I'm not even started. I'm still getting, getting started. But in the much earlier days when I didn't understand some of the things I'm teaching you now, I thought, you know what? If I achieved a couple of things, if I preached on a certain stage or uh, I got my first million or my first couple of millions or I bought my first car, 
it will feel a certain way. And yes, it would for a couple of days. <laughs> but over time, you see that you can't leave for just that feeling. You have to leave for something great. <laughs> Who's hearing what I'm saying right now? If you're on YouTube, don't leave me alone. I'll see you guys. Post your comments. Let me know you're there. So think about it. You're a woman, single, single woman. Say, oh, I, want, I can't wait to finish university. When I finish university, uh, I'll feel great. So you finish university, awesome, four point something. Two one, top two one, or just before first class, or maybe your first class. You felt great. Award-winning day, blah, 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 I did that. Then the feelings began to wear off. Oh, then let me go to NYC camp. Then they posted you to Kutuweji or somewhere. Felt great. Let me start working in the law firm. You felt great. You got this hour to go that work. Oh, the reason I don't feel that great is I'm not yet married. Let me marry. Then you marry and discover that every fulfillment of a prayer point is also a prayer point. Because now you have to pray about the husband you once prayed for as a prayer point. Come on now. <laughs> I don't, you wonder why this husband, why does he eat all the food all the time? does not even help to clean up anywhere in the house, snores for a living, and he does kickboxing, beats boxing in the sleep, drools up a storm, soaks up the pillow until there's a map of Nigeria every other night, and does not even know how to leave a war bear in the house. <laughs> It might not be that graphic. It might not be that, might not be that, uh, that huge. But, I mean, and it could be on the positive as well. This man is running after vision, pursuing great things, trying to do great things, and you have to be there to support him. But you thought, if I got married, then to eliminate something. Yes, it did eliminate something, but it created something else. So what fills us up cannot be our achievements or our attainments. What fills us up is the consciousness that I'm loved by God whilst I'm trying to put everything together. I'm still loved by God. I hope this is helping somebody. So prayer point doesn't mean that's to be bad. It can also be good. Oh, you're achieving. All right. Let me give you an example. Some people feel like if I marry a rich husband, everything will be well. Let me tell you what that means. If you marry a rich husband, there are a couple of things inside that equation. Potentially, and I'm sure we'll deal with him because of the money. If the man is already rich, then at some point or the other, you might struggle with the reality of, okay, if I was not a part of his riches, do I really matter that much to him? Right? Or he has a big business, big, big enterprise. He's employing 100 people. At some point, I wonder, where's my place in all of it? Are you getting what? Is somebody getting what I'm saying? The point I'm trying to make is whether you achieve or don't achieve, whether you underachieve or you overachieve, none of that is going to take care of the gap in your heart that was designed to be filled by the lyrics and the rhythm of God's love and the awareness and that consciousness. So let me tell you, don't wait till your prayer points are answered before you enjoy God's love. Enjoy God's love whilst those prayer points are being processed by Heaven's Response Department, HRD. So five things that a love-led life is going to do for you. Number one, a love-led life is going to free you from fear. Your relationship with fear will change. First John 4, 17 to 19. 
Love has been perfected amongst us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love coming now. But perfect love casts out all, casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So here's the deal. If you're on YouTube, please help me share the link. Share this, share this, share this. Share it, share it, share it. Now, the, the primary context of this text is really judgments as a standing before God and giving account for your life. John is saying that the most dreadful, let me ask you guys a question. Do you remember when you're going to do your project defense? Your project defense, you were like, oh, well, my project, okay, let, let's, let's back up, back up, back up all the way to when you were eight, nine, or 10. And you are going to go to FGC, FGGC Odo, Bolu, or FGGC Cancun, or Emo, or Oerio, whatever FGC you went to, or GSS, or I don't know, the school you went to. Who went to FGC Akure? That's where my sister went and years ago. Do you remember that after your common entrance, you are going to do an interview, and then your parents have to coach you to do an interview? And for some people, they already were scared as, as, as a young age. But some other people are confident. But you just felt, ah, this is a big deal. It was quite a big deal. So you dressed the part, you lit the part, and all whatnot. Got, the, got, the through, or got through that. As you began to grow, society began to instill in you fear. The, the senior boys in your school went to Borden House. Last boy, last girl. Run, 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 run. And all of those kind of things. Fear, the concept of fear, fearing other people now they're growing in your mind, your heart. Then you go to university, ah, they're club boys and cult boys in this school. You have to be afraid. Don't pass through that place. Don't go to that place called Hellfire. That place is called Skull and Cup. That place is called Black's Axe Avenue, Black Axe Avenue, and all or not. Fear began to grow in your heart. Such that you now became afraid in school. When the lecturer said, nobody is going to get more than 55, 58 inside the school. <laughs> Janice said Fiesta and you know like first year, right? And all of that. You, you now start dealing with fear. Start dealing with fear. I remember after I had my first carryover, the next time I was going to look at, look at my results, and back then they used to paste the results on the faculty wall, so it was not private. I think they do private now, like on your platform, whatever. But you posted, everybody will see your auto. My heart was beating, boom, 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 fear, me that I went to school on scholarship. I'm trying to show you something about fear, that there is a part of fear that is an acquired disease. Fear is an acquired disease. There's a part of it that is in the fallen nature, but the manifestation of it can be acquired. So where does fear begin to take grip? It begins to take grip in the heart. That's why he said to them, let not your hearts be troubled. So what does God do? He sheds his love abroad in your heart, where fear is trying to take root so that it can bear fruit. Fear takes root in the heart and bears fruit in the lives. And the fruit of fear is failure. 
The fruit of fear is failure. The fruit of fear is more fear. The fruit of fear is loss, death, pain, shame, lost opportunities, envy, jealousy. If I support this person, I'm afraid. You know that expression in English? I'm afraid I won't be able to do that. I'm afraid. Of, why are you afraid? So in planting the seed, Jesus, the angel said, do not be afraid. Why? If you're afraid and I put the seed in your heart, there's going to be a contention between two seeds. Come on now. Because there are seeds of divine ideas that God has placed in many of our hearts, but fear is choking the seed because fear in the spirit operates like thorns, like thorns, like weeds, like thorns. They choke, they choke. And Matthew 13 says that, that the seed was choked by the thorns. So in Romans 5, 5, Romans 5, 5, it said the love of God has been shed abroad in the heart. That's why in Ezekiel, I believe 36, it said, I'll give you the heart of flesh. I'm going to do a, I'm going to perform a surgery in your heart. He said, with the heart, man believes. With the mouth, confession is made on salvation. Are you here? Somebody say, I'm free from fear. Now, what the writer of John here is saying is that the greatest, so let, let me go back to second uh, university. So university, you know how to do your project defense. Who remembers project defense? People were palpitating. I'm wondering what's wrong with these guys. I mean, by the time I was doing project defense, I had failed enough not to be afraid of failing. <laughs> oh my God. Who am I talking to right now? The thing that's going to make me afraid not right now is going to be very, it's going to really try because go and bring your worst version. Okay. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. see, the people that people that really people that really had issues were those that were like, ah, I need a B, I need an A to cross over into four point something. But for some of us, he that has fallen fears no fall. I mean, how they say he that <laughs> the GP that has collapsed fears no fall. Sixty-nine B. What a weekend supervisor. That's a soup advisor, S-O-U-P. Put you in a soup, not supervisor, a soup advisor. <laughs> it's somebody here. So people say we're beating, boom, 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 because we're standing for an audience. Or if you got into trouble, they're about, you're about to be rusticated and they called it to the Senate or something, fear. Or you're trying to get your first job with Deloitte or with a Chevron or something, fear in your heart. What the writer of John here is saying is that the biggest audience, the one that deserves all fear, the one that some people call the fear himself is God. Right? The one before whom you will stand is God. He said he's the dreadful one. He's the great one. He's the, quote, intimidating one. He's what they call in Yoruba, the exerting fear, the one who's endowed with all there is to be afraid of. But John said, because we are made of the same essence and substance about him. Fear, no fear, fear, fear. Do you understand? So the biggest audience in the world is the audience of God. So if we're going to be able to stand on the day of judgment and not be afraid, whenever our work is about to be judged by a heathen person or a believing person on earth, where is the fear coming from? Now, I know that there's a dimension of nervousness that some people need. 
um, uh, or that maybe for a brief moment lets you know that you're ready or you attach importance to it. But I'm talking about the crippling fear that robs people of opportunities. Let me know if this is speaking to you. Let me know if it's speaking to you. Let me know. It casts out all of it. Somebody say, I'm free from fear. How do I do that? I meditate on the love of God. I meditate. See, the level of fear that you've experienced, it didn't just jump on you one day. There might have been two or three moments in your life, maybe two or three, maybe an accident, maybe a loss, that then gave it a big room for it to invade. But oftentimes, these things were just creeping and crawling and creeping and crawling and creeping and crawling and creeping and crawling and creeping and crawling until there was a massive accumulation of fear. A love-led life will see fear and despise it. And just the same way you've exercised, for many of you exercise yourself in generosity and giving and discipleship and master life, you will also exercise your victory over fear. I take authority right now over every spirit of fear, over every form of intimidation, over everything that seems to weary you, wear you out, break you down, that is completely gone in the name of Jesus, and that the grace and the glory of God flushes out every trace and every taint of fear in your subconscious mind, and that you are indeed filled with the consciousness of the love of God. Cast out all fear. He said the issue is that fear involves torment, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants to torment you. So listen, though he knows that you're not going to be tormented in hell, he wants to, he wants to torment you on earth. People are going to be tormented in hell because they rejected, watch this, the blood of Jesus. But people are going to be tormented on earth because they rejected the gifts of the love of Jesus. The gift, because they are not embracing that love. The blessing of Jesus. That's what happens. And the enemy knows how to creep. One of the ways in which enemy creeps in with fear is that he attacks us in the areas of those that ought to protect us. So if you had an issue with your dad or your mom, especially early in life, fear, or with your pastor early in life, fear, or with a teacher in your life, fear, or your older brother, older sister, people that are supposed to give you safety and support and guidance, when the enemy finds a way to break up that, the accord or the bond or the protective shell, and you feel, oh my God, this person was supposed to give me a sense of definition and life has taken me away. That's why the enemy fights unity a lot because he knows that where there's no unity, there's vulnerability. Where there's no vulnerability, he can introduce adversity. And when it does that, he can release fear to sit in that space for years. You have to do a lot of introspection to know how the fear goes. Number two, let me move for time's sake. A love-led life fills you with faith. Fills you with faith. A love life, number one, it frees you from fear. Number two, it fills you with faith. And it also causes your faith to function fully. So a love life fills you with faith, F-I-L-L-S, with faith, and causes your faith to function fully. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it says... Jade, it says F-I-L-L-S, not double E, fills. 
Galatians 5, 20 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And it now has children <laughs> or offshoots or expressions. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So your joy is connected to love. Your peace is connected to love. Long-suffering connected to love. Kindness connected to love. Goodness connected to love. Then faithfulness. 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 Gentleness. Self-control against which there is no law. So faithfulness is a function of love because the fruit of the Spirit is, the first thing is love. Love then fills me. When love fills my heart, fills my mind, fills my soul, fills my body, then I become so full of faith. Why? My focus is on my lover. When my focus is on my lover, guess what? I'm filled with faith. I believe my lover. First Corinthians 13, it said that love believes all things. Love believes all things. So love sponsors faith. Galatians 5, Galatians 5. Look at this. Love feeds my faith. Love feeds my faith. Galatians 5. 6, Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. In other words, obeying the law of Moses, fulfilling the templates, the requirements of Moses, it doesn't, that's not what God is looking for. He said, but faith working through love. Let me say this. If you find yourself in fear all the time, you need to feed more, feed more on love. And let me, I mean, all of us can be a witness to this. You feel safer around people that you know love you or people that you think love you. <laughs> Sometimes you might not be too sure. But people that you think love you, you feel safer around them, right? You believe more when you discuss with people that love you. It just looks like, yes, you can write that book. Oh, you can preach on that boss. Oh, you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Yes, you can function in the world of knowledge. Yes, you can give money to your mommy. Just believe. Because there's something about love that starves fear and increases faith. Listen, if you want to know whether you're in a right relationship or not, not ask yourself, does this relationship, does it build my faith or does it starve my faith? Does this relationship, does it crush my fear or does it magnify my fear? These are some of the tests you can use. You're in a relationship, but the person is always showing you what you cannot do. Says, see your head, it's so big. And if it was big for something, it would be better, but it's big for nothing. It looks like cocoa yam that does not have taste. Says, see your mouth. Your mouth looks like places that they've not used in five years. See your nose. <laughs> your nose is looking like poke nose. Right? You want your faith to be edified, spend time with your lover. Spend time. Faith. Faith. And you spend time. So as a young man, as a much younger man, as a single man, the Lord will be pouring vision, ideas into my spirit and my heart, my mind. But focusing on that, 
and it changed my language. I did not, I, I was not speaking at the level of the resources that I had. I was not thinking at the level of resources I had. So when I got into a relationship with my wife, at the time, not my wife yet, I was feeding at that same faith because I had been fed by my lover. And thankfully also by people, human beings that loved me. My parents had been feeding me love from when I was a child. My pastors at the different stages also fed that faith and demonstrated love. So it was easy to also transfer that love. The problem some of us have had is that we've not had enough people feed us with love. And so when one of the other people will run out of resources, so we must then learn how to take a number one directly from God and see God as our source and other people as channels. Number two, we must be intentional about creating points of interface with people that really love us, either physically or through their recorded resources. Are we getting it? If you've been believing God for something and it seems like it's still pending and pending, can you please work on feeding your faith by focusing on love? Don't try to take things into your hands and make it happen by yourself. Can you just focus on the fact that, man, God loves me too much to bring this in too late? God, my calendar might be wrong. I know you love me too much. So even if my timing is wrong, I believe you. I trust you. I wait on you. I yearn for you. I know you're working this out, God. Love is the tap that fills my faith tank. Love, it fills it. Boom, 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 boom. Number three. A love let life frustrates the flesh. It does not flatter it. A love-led life frustrates the flesh. Love is the tap that fills my faith tank. A love-led life, it frustrates the flesh. It does not flatter it. Quite a number of uh, things to read here. If someone says, 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 20 to 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And his commandment, we, and this commandment we have received of him, we have from him, that he who loves God must, you see this now, must love his brother also. Now, once, how many of you know this? Have you noticed something? Do you know that? Many times when somebody says you must do this, you feel immediately opposed to that. Who are you to tell me what I must do? I don't know about you, it happens to me. <laughs> you must, you must. Like, if you, if you really want me to stall on something, then sound and make it sound as if it's compulsory. <laughs> That's what I'll actually show you, that it's actually not compulsory and that everybody can be fine in the absence of it. That might not be good, but in context, right? Who else is like us? Those that bear witness. You must, you must, you must. You know what? The flesh, the flesh doesn't like must. The flesh likes negotiation. The flesh likes leeway. Right? And most, many, let me say most, certain personality types also, they have a... <laughs> they also send me a message. Certain personality types as well, develop excessive resistance to anything that looks like must. Okay? Let me tell you, everybody here in your flesh, there is something that if they say must, your flesh immediately says no. 
So for example, this fast that we are embarking on, some people last night are like, no, 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 I mean, I'm not fasting. I will join them later. The flesh. If you're on this call, don't worry. God loves you. Amen. <laughs> flesh. You must show up by 7.15. Flesh says, no. You must let us know before you carry on your marriage plans, before you propose to somebody. No. You must submit to your team lead and honor them. Don't have sex before you get married. We no go agree, oh, we no go agree. We have the flesh. We no go, uh, 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 we no go agree. See, the Bible says this is not a, it's not a negotiation matter. He said, he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, it's not the same thing as a like, okay? Like is a different thing. You don't have to like everybody you love. Love is a function of the position of your heart about them. Like has to do with the interface of your mind, similarity in values, affection, vibe, rhythm, engaging, touch points, let's roll. That's like. Love is a function of your heart does not wish them evil. Your heart does not rejoice at their downfall. When you see that your ex has finally now fornicated with three women, impregnated five out of the three women, and has become a baby papa, not a baby mama, and the yao yao thing they start doing after I broke up with you, as far as land them in jail. You're like, yes! I gotcha. I feel good. Na, 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 na. Hey, I need to move. There's no hurry me to move. There's no hurry me to move. Hurry me buru. Are you seeing that now? We all carry this flesh guy around. And there are certain things that we don't want to hear must on. But God says, I got this. I'm going to put you on a must diet. What must diet has God put you on recently that you've been fighting? Jesus said, a number of must. You must be born again. It's must. It's not good. Like you must. Say, if you're not born again, no kingdom. He said, those that worship must worship in spirit and truth. He said, those that love God must love their brother also. <laughs> Oh, come on. If you can't say amen, just say yes. Say ouch. Say mm. You hear this now? It's not easy on, on the flesh. It's not. The flesh wants to take on its right to hate. It's right to just see this person go down the drain. I want to see you flush down the water closets like the poop you behaves like. Just go down right now. Out of my sight. Get off. That's what the flesh wants. <laughs> and the flesh wants what it wants. But a love-led life frustrates the flesh. Because as long as you're inside this body, you will not get, you, you, you can't get rid of the flesh. There's going to be the constant contention. It will just change. It will change form. Listen, 
at some point in your life, it was, oh, sleep with boys, sleep with girls, sleep with animals, sleep with goats, sleep with dog. You got through that point in your life, it was, okay, a little drink, a little puff, a little smoke, a little sniff. You got through that point, it was now like, oh, this person didn't invite me to their wedding just because I'm still single and all of that. Then it got to the point of, my social media content is not catching on. And the person that I thought how to register their email address 15 years ago, there are 500 billion people following them. There are some going to be like, oh, I have a word in my mouth and don't allow me to preach. The flesh will always invent new ways to establish its presence in your life. Oh, can I go now? Can I talk now? It will find, it will look, it will, once you've done, tell what the fleshly matters, as I want to say fleshly, the material realm, you start doing itself in spiritual garments. Say, but I'm more anointed, I'm more vocal, I'm more expert. You see that? Flesh would always invent new ways to establish its presence, its presence, its presence. It doesn't have to establish itself. It will remind you that you're not yet in Zion. It will remind you that it's not yet New Jerusalem time. It will remind you. And sometimes it will come against you as you. That's your flesh. It could be laziness. It could be you're too relaxed. It could be convincing you that you're doing better than everybody else. Why are you exerting yourself so much? Calm down. Or it could be the other way. It could drive you to overwork, overthink, overreact. Over save, over, over. It's just there. somebody gets him blessed. First John three sixteen, great companion of John three sixteen. It said, "By this, First John three sixteen to eighteen. By this we know love. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us." Sumi <laughs> so said, what if the ex scammed us and landed in jail? Sir, are we allowed to just smile small? <laughs> See, I, mean, I don't know whether we're allowed to, but I think me, I will smile a little bit. I think so. And I'll be like, God, I'm sorry for smiling. <laughs> I think, I think, at least, maybe I'm not as functional as I need to be, but I think I was smiling to be and just go like, ah, I just be like, God has a sense of humor. Hey, Kabiyesi, Kabiyesi, Kabiyesi. Bangish, Ayubi Baba. Uh, I'll be like, God, please just help him more, help him more. I know they've given him 13 years now. I'm not even sure if that would be enough for you to do the work you want to do in him. If you want to extend it by two years, who am I to say no? Who am I to say no? If you think you need three more years, God, to take care of... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Pray for me, guys. All right. So, no, but, yeah, the flesh wants to do all those kind of things. Let him, let him have a... Uh, Sinjadi is most spiritual than all of us. Let him have a Pauline encounter in jail. Amen. All right, let's go. So 1 John 3, 16 to 18, by this we know love, because he, God, he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also, and we, see, see, there's a thing now. We also 
ought to lay down our lives. We don't see people don't preach this stuff except they go through in love with kings. He said, we also ought to lay down our lives, not for him alone. Everybody can say, I'm dying for Jesus. I'm dying for Jesus. Jesus says, I want to see how you die for your brother to know whether he can die for me. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brother. So there's a preaching of grace that is incomplete, that is juvenile, that is immature, that is misleading. And that's the preaching of grace that says Jesus died for you, just enjoy the death of Jesus, and that's all. But that's not complete gospel. The preaching of grace is Jesus died for you. You ought also to carry your cross, give up your life for him, and die for your brothers and sisters. Come on now. Can I get someone to give God praise and glory for that? That's the fullness of the life of Christ. It's inclusive of suffering. Now I may know him. And the fellowship of the sufferers, the fellowship. There is a fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. And the sufferings of Christ is the sufferings for brethren, for Christ's children. He said, if you have done this for the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Why? The way my body establishes its presence in the earth, rather the way my head establishes its presence in the earth is through my body. Who's my body? Or the believers. No one person is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, the way I rub cream all over my body is that the palm that rubs the cream, the, the palm that puts the cream and rubs all over the body does not rub it on itself. When you put that, that cream on your hand, you can't rub that hand with the cream that you put on the hand. The cream on that hand is to rub the other part of the body. The cream on the other hand is to rub the other Do you get what I'm saying? To serve, to sacrifice, to nurture, to nourish. So nobody, no man hates his own flesh, but he cherishes and nourishes it. Speaking of context of marriage, Ephesians 5. Come on, talk to me, guys. Look at tag somebody in the comments. Tag somebody. Say, hope you are hearing. You are supposed to love me. You are supposed to love me. God says, love me. Frustrate the flesh. Don't flatter it. They said, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, see now how you know that this is talking about the heart. He said, and shut up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? Let me tell you what. It is possible for someone to give you a gift and their heart is short. What God is always looking at is not what leaves your account, it's what left your heart. Because there's a way you can give somebody a gift, you've transferred the money to them from their account, but inside your heart, you're like, now wow, now wow, now wow, now wow, now wow, now wow. Oh, look, look, see, see, my will kneel, my will kneel, my will kneel, my will kneel, will kneel. Are you seeing that now? Come on, look, my will kneel. Come on, look, my will kneel. Come on, look. He said, the person that shuts his heart, even though he's opened his hand, because God knows if the heart is open, eventually the hand will get the message. However, the hand can be open, but that, he said, don't believe it. One that says, Come and eat with me. He said, put a knife to your throat because as the things in his heart, so is he. So this love matter, again, don't feel like you have to like everybody. You cannot like everybody. Listen, 
Your hand can rub other parts of the body. Eh? When you are creaming your body and all of that. However, your big toe has no business being close to your lips. Imagine a grown man putting his big toe and sucking it. What kind of intimacy is that? Unnecessary. Similarly, the fact that you're a part of the body of Christ doesn't mean you have to be intimate with every part of the body of Christ. Right? Which man in this world or woman will sniff his own bum bum with his nose? For what? Why? Why so adventurous? Why so creative? Counter-creative? They have no business. Leave the smell. It's okay. It can handle itself. It does not need to share the odoriferous saga, kungagantu and gaga. That's what they say. Let the eye not see bees. Let the eye not see bees. Kiyoju maribi. You see them now. <laughs> Let me go to the But we'll get the point. It said, don't shut your heart. What does it mean? Even if you don't have the material in your hand, let your heart bless the person. Oh, I see you're struggling with this. Can I pray with you? If you can include them in your budget for two or three months down the line, it's not a bad idea. Right? It's just helping somebody. It said, whoever has this world's goods, in other words, it's not a world, but this world's goods, okay? And sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see that now? Unilag got their logo from this, indeed and in truth. That's the biblical motto of Unilag, indeed and in truth. And it ought to be one of the guiding expressions of every believer. It is easy to love in word and in tongue. We love God, we love people. We love God, we love people. Not people, so. We love God, we love people. We love God, 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 God. Hey, hey, hey. He said, can we move it further to deed? Do something that shows the state of your heart. And in truth, don't let that deed be misleading or deceptive. All right? Galatians 5, 13 to 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, what should you do now? Through love, what should you do? Serve one another. God is not looking for people who are looking for followers. God is looking for people who are his followers and whom he can entrust more of his followers to follow as a living example of he himself. He said, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. In Yoruba, they will say, Lord, Kosha. In other words, this is the perishing of the matter. This is how we rounded off one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it says something, verse 15. But if you bite one another and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. When people are beaten and biting, decide not to join the parade. Beaten and biting just, just looks like a spirit, like beaten and biting. Dun, 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 because it ends in cannibalism. 
cannibalism is death. Number four. A love-led life increases my flowers and my fruits, or my fruits and my flowers. A love-led life increases my fruits and my flowers, causes my fruits and my flowers to flourish. A a love-led life causes my fruits and my flowers to flourish. I want to spend some more time here because a lot of things I've covered can cover this. Galatians 5, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, and that love sponsors my joy and my peace and my long-suffering and my kindness and my goodness and my faithfulness and all of that. John 15, John 15, 5, 2, 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, see the symbiotic relationship, and I in him, what does he do? He bears much fruit. My fruitfulness is hinged on my recognition and appreciation and distribution of the love of God in my life. Oh, I don't feel like my life is moving forward. Can we try love? Oh, I don't feel like things are working. Can we try love? Can we just like love everybody? Can we just sort of like relinquish our rights to hate? Because some of us, we actually have a right, humanly speaking, to hate. Some of us have had things done to us, against us, at us, around us, that if we really process it, the legitimate response should be hatred, animosity. I don't know why I'm saying this one, but let me say this again. Loving someone does not mean you're liking them. Loving someone does not mean you give them the same space they used to occupy in your life. Loving someone does not mean you invite them to your birthday party. Loving someone does not mean you end up marrying them when you know that they're actually going to break your head if you let them. That's not what I'm talking about. And loving them does not mean that you have to go and with the other point. But let your heart be light, literally. Not just free of the burden, but also light of the load. Free of the burden, also light of the load. Okay? And I'll tell you why. John 15 says, He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Now, here's the deal. Christ is already abiding in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 1, 27. He lives in you. But it's saying that when you abide, that abiding is to take up residence, to draw your referrals, your guiding truths and information, principles from the context of Christ. Where you say, my hands are the hands of Christ, my eyes are the eyes of Christ, my legs are, right? So before I slap somebody, it must be Christ that is giving that slap. If I cannot ascertain that Christ is slapping, why am I slapping? Okay? Now, someone is wondering, does Christ slap? I'm not sure, but I know that he broke tables, scattered, I mean, like, he hopped the wall, he didn't say break it. 
he turned upside down and spoils people's businesses, sharp. So I don't know. Much fruits, not just some fruit, much fruit. So that if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and as withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So he's now explaining how does Christ abide in me? His words abide in me. Let me tell you something. Have you noticed? Whenever you find hate growing in your heart, and some of us, we've had it a number of times. I remember, maybe I don't know whether I've shared the story before, but I remember sometime in, I think it was GS3 or something. The, my school, my secondary school was very competitive, like very, very competitive. It was those kind of schools where people would beat you. Like if your maybe cumulative uh, uh, percentage, percentage was like, let's say 86 or something, you might be the last person inside that class of that something. Maybe it's a seven, if you're not, or it's a nine. People were usually like between 85 and 99, like all 30 something of you, boom. <laughs> it was that kind of class. And this particular year, of course, I've done a couple of extracurricular things. I was supposed to represent Nigeria in a certain competition in school. Don't let me go into a story. Remind me another time I'll tell you a story of that one because that was the first time I got a passport. And that's, that's my first exposure to corruption inside this Nigeria because the 3 million Naira back then, this is 1990, what, maybe 97 or something. The back then, the 3 million Naira, the federal government allocated to my school principal and the teachers and whatever, carers abroad. They brought us to one hotel in this Ikeja area called Piccadilly Hotels. I don't know whether it still exists. They gave us a bambanga starch, jollof rice and whatever, gave us free time for three days and they flew us back to uh, Abuja and Suleja and said that... Uh, they did not get a visa. God will let me say, I'm, I'm a man of love. God forgive them. Anyway. <laughs> now, how does the word how does the word abide? How does the word abide? How do I dwell in the word? How do I keep <laughs> a laughing? It is a function of me meditating on the word. Now, that particular term, I'm trying to edit and cut things out because I need to close. That particular term, so I've done that extracurricular thing. That particular term, I think I knew I was one of the last people in the class. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I was like number eight or number 10 or something. But the teacher did not put all my scores. I think she had an oversight or something. She didn't put all my scores. So she didn't, so imagine maybe you're having like 10 subjects. She didn't record like two in a class where 1% can already set you like three or five. Can you so two all results. So instead of doing my cumulative over, over uh, 10, she did over eight. But the total of 10 over eight. Am I getting a total of eight over 10? Total of eight over 10, actually. Yeah. And guess what? They used to announce the first three and the last three inside the school. And I was already becoming popular in the school. The man who went to represent Nigeria in the school, but could not represent himself well inside the school. Do you understand that? I felt so livid. And it was the last day. They usually announced it the last day of school. So from that assembly hall, parents are already coming to pick you and all whatnot. So I didn't have a chance to defend my rep. 
I can imagine for a 14-year-old, that's like hell. The world has already ended. All right, Jesus, where are you? Let's be going. All through that holiday, and there was no GSM. No, was there, you know, I don't think so. All the holiday, I was fuming with hatred. Almost all through, like this man, and woman has disgraced me and my whole family inside this whole school. Fuming, fuming, fuming. I was just meditating. Like I said to him, I would just slap her. Let me just slap her back into my promise. Nonsense upon ingredients. Jollof rice teacher. <laughs> Bleeding gang. <laughs> what are all, what are all those ridiculous things to say? But I learned something. And there's another one. There's another story, but I can't tell now. Where I thought I deserved to be the deputy head boy. And the whole me, they didn't give me any deputy head boy. They gave one boy like that. Let me level that. But all those things, and I think maybe God helped my heart early to study myself and say, guy, this the way this thing is going, you are going, you might kill somebody because you, you know you can be very passionate <laughs> about the things that matter to you. So I started and I said, so the more you meditate on the injustices of people, the more you meditate on the wrongdoings of people, the more hatred begins to fester in your soul and animosity. And I didn't have a good holiday. That was, I think, my worst holiday, right? Even if I had ran holiday, I'm not sure that being a good holiday. It just didn't work. And somehow I just had to stop praying during the holiday. God, please just help me because I cannot be thinking about one person and one thing like this for weeks and weeks. What's going on? And it was the long holiday, three months or so, or two months or something. So how does hatred abide in your heart? By you meditating on the injustices of people, on the, the mistakes of people, on the losses of life. That's how. So Jesus said, if, I, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. I love the way you version puts it. They put, if you've seen that before, it said cultivate a rhythm of reflection. I love it. That one that they have the carousel. So they have the, verse of the day video and they have a slide and they have how can God help you today and it's beautiful so I do that like two or three times apart from my general devotion in a day right because it just gets your heart because there's so much around even the things that are none of your business entering inside your heart television social media somebody's you know a different town hall different from blue blue blah like oh all kinds of things Got to purge the hearts and let the words of Jesus abide. That means find a place to stay, to sit, to rest. It said, when this happens, you will now ask what you desire and it will be done. Which means an offended heart will not get many answered prayers. Because even if those prayers were answered, it would be an offense. The person will use the answers to those prayers to offend others. And that's how you watch out for offense in your heart because it taints everything. It's like gold. It stains everything, including the blessings that ought to inspire people that now become weapons that are used to oppress and harass and intimidate people directly or indirectly. It says that when that heart has been nurtured and nourished by the healing streams of the river of God, then you will ask what you will and it shall be done. And this is where it looks like some people have, quote-unquote, easy lives. Anybody that looks like they have an easy life outside, they work hard on themselves inside. The hard work 
in the heart produces the soft life on the earth. The hard work on the hearts. Are we here? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you be my disciples. Finally, number five, in love led life is a life that is free to fly fast and free to fly forward. Fly fast and fly forward. A love led life, free to fly fast and fly forward. First John 4, 4 7 to 11. You're all in response to my story, so you just wasted my story. Did you just, uh, don't let me conclude. Did you just waste my story? My true life story, my heart story. Here. Oh. First John 4, 7 to 11. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. Okay, thank you. I, I can see that you guys followed. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. Eloquent, articulate, beautiful, stunning, combines colors. He who does not love does not know God. Don't be bamboozled by sensations and pimples and nuances of the anointing and a large following. He who does not love does not know God. Simple. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. In this love of God is manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten Son to the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the way we're free to fly. Luke 23, 32-33, there were also two others, criminals, led with him, that's with Jesus, to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they ever crucified him and the criminals, and one on the right and one on the left. Look at verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, and they divided his garments and castles. Let me say this, I'm not trying to sell a book, but it's good for the book to sell. If you are here and you really want to work on your heart, you want to deal with betrayal, you want to deal with losses, you want to deal with regrets, you want to deal with shame, with depression, anxiety, and you have not read my book, I'm Not Alone, you have not done well for yourself, get that book and read it. It's a heart, a heart uh, surgery book. Short, short chapters, 30 of them, but about two pages each, or two, two and a half to three pages each, with confessions, and memory verses just crossed my mind right now because I get a lot of uh, feedback from people who have read the book and the same messages. Get it. If you're working on your heart, read that book. In fact, this is a good time to do it. Take a chapter a day and make it your February project. How can somebody be on the cross? Because I, I dealt with this in there. Father, forgive them. How do you forgive Judas? You forgive Jesus because you know you love God because he first loved you. And you know that if God loved you so much, even the presence of Judas is not the absence of your destiny. The presence of Judas is not the absence of God. The presence of Judas does not destroy your destiny. Judas's betrayal, watch this, is not sharp enough 
to truncate your destiny. Judas's betrayal is not sharp enough to truncate your destiny. What it means is it does not matter how many feathers they plucked out of your wings, you will still fly. Dad raped you, you will still fly. Mom abandoned you, so fly. Pastor molested you, so fly. If it's a love-led life, if it's a revenge-led life, I can't guarantee you that. If it's a flesh-for-flesh life, I can't guarantee you that. If it's I must do my own back life, (laughs) y'all don't know how many things I've died inside this world. About doing my own back, I know me, my tongue is very sharp. But you take that sharp tongue and that sharp knife, you put it back into a sheet and drop the sword at the foot of the cross. So God, I have a right to that. But I have a greater right to righteousness. You have a greater right to my body as your temple. You have a greater, are you are here now? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just ask for healing right now. Over every heart, I feel like certain wounds have been stirred up and certain attitudes are being confronted by the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we start the series, we just start with you, we start in you, we start in you, with you, for you. Thank you for illumination, thank you for revelation, thank you that you're working on our hearts, you're guiding us on a journey. Before we delve into the romantic aspects and the familial aspects, God, we thank you because you're laying a solid foundation where we can rest in your love. Yes, Lord, for somebody who feels like my dad owed me love, let them know that you can love them better than their dad. For someone who felt my ex owes me love, let them know that you can love them in a way that their ex could never have loved them and that whatever they might have legitimately missed out on, that you're causing them to recover right now. I thank you, Lord, because you're sending waves to wash the wounds. Lord, you're sending streams of comfort, streams of hope and healing. You are bringing the soothing sensation and beyond the sensation, the soothing reality of transformation. Any heart that has been transformed into a hatred chamber, any heart that's been transformed into a cooking pot for revenge, to get their own back, to to do their own back. Lord, I thank you because you're reforming that heart right now, Lord. I thank you because it's not going to be by the works of the flesh or by the desperation of a human attempt, but it's going to be by the surging support system of heaven. Lord, I thank you because you're plucking out the roots of bitterness that were even growing in chambers of the soul beyond the, the visible realm, God. I thank you for the seeds that were illegitimately planted in the subconscious mind through experiences, abandonment, uh, traumatic uh, events from the past, or even disappointments in you, quote-unquote, prayers that were not answered or requests that were not granted. Lord, I thank you because you're causing the wind of your spirit to excavate and to expose the depths of all those traumatic experiences, God. You are blowing those things out of their hiding holes and you're replacing them with the seeds of love and the seeds of joy and the seeds of hope and the seeds of greatness. And Lord, as a house, will grow deeper and deeper in love with you and with one another in our homes, with our spouses, with our friends, our children, our families, our loved ones, our followers, our team leads, our ministry directors, our pastors, our ministers, our first-timers, associates, friends online and offline, in the workplace, there will be in the careers of love. Thank you, Father, because it's done right now. 
In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for joining in. I, I trust that somebody was blessed. Let me know what blessed you or touched you. Let me know if you have a testimony you can share with us as a house. Don't forget we're praying. We're going to be praying throughout this month. Watch it, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. We're fasting for just two more days, Thursday and Friday, 6 a.m. and 9 p.m., uh, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Then after that, uh, from next week, Monday, Monday to Friday, we'll pray 6 a.m., largely the declaration on prepping for Nigeria. And then in the evening, uh, we'll pray for Nigeria. So in the morning, we'll pray for ourselves, a prayer point, Nigeria prayer point declaration. In the evening, we'll pray for Nigeria and our own place in it as a ministry, as individuals. I just, I've sensed this since about September, October, um, and I like to be sure it's God leading me, and I just, my mind coming up with one of its many creative ideas. So uh, I, I avoid announcing many things until I'm very sure this is God. And I, I believe in my heart that this is what God wants us to do as part of our own contribution to the nation of where we are at this time. So. You can also invite your friends, family members, uh, people in your world. Let, let people jump on the call. All right, God bless you. Let me know what touched you. Drop it on the on the group. Let me know what touched you guys tonight. I, I need to know the things that spoke to you. Sunday will continue on a message called LinkedIn. Bonding without bondage is going to be a massive blessing to you as we build on this. And of course, get ready. Going to be hearing from PLT at least twice in the course of this series, possibly three times, possibly, but at least twice. We're going to be hearing from at least one of the one of the minister or pastor um, this month. So it's a rich smorgasbord of spiritual substance and nourishing food. So, yeah, get ready to love and to live in love. We love you. Have a great night. See you by 6 p.m., 6 a.m., 6 a.m., Love you all too. Love you guys. Love you, love you, love you. Bye. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing. Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.